Good day. Uh, welcome to China CEO Biotech uh, podcast. Uh, I'm Brian Yang. I'm the senior uh, and the managing editor for uh, Informa Pharma Intelligence. Today with me is um, uh, two uh, dis distinguished executives uh, from uh, the new company uh, just uh, established uh, in the US. Uh, as a subsidiary of uh, Jiangsu Hangri Medicines. Uh, one is uh, Scott Filosi, uh, that uh, he's a CEO, and then another Dr. Joseph Eid. Uh, without further ado, let me go right into the questions. Uh, first, I welcome the uh, gentleman. Thanks for having first, us, Brian. First, let me, could you please introduce uh, the company Louisiana, and also how you came across this opportunity uh, working with the Hungry. Sure, maybe I'll start, and then uh, Dr. Ede, you, you you can add with your own perspective. But uh, yeah, it's really exciting to be able to introduce Luzana to the world. Uh, we're really really excited, and you know that that's that's the big headline for us right now is that we're we're launching a one of a kind biotechnology company, and there's something really special about what we're doing. So uh, Luzana is a fully owned uh, subsidiary of, of JHP, just like uh, you, you mentioned, Brian. Uh, and the reason that this company was, was created uh, is that we want to have a, a focused effort um, outside of, of China to expand the innovative medicines footprint of, of JHP. And um, there's something truly unique and special uh, about Luzana versus traditional biopharma. Uh, the first is that we're able to leverage the strength of our parent company who has really profound discovery capabilities, development capabilities, uh, manufacturing and commercialization. And through a, uh, a designed partnership with JHP, Luzana can co-develop innovative medicines in a more cost-effective way. Uh, Luzana doesn't have to carry the cost of discovery. We have a very favorable manufacturing agreement uh, and uh, the, the co-development arrangement where JHP is responsible for development in China and Luzana is responsible for development in the territories of North America, Europe and Japan. This also uh, provides additional opportunities to have a more cost effective global development partnership. Um, and there's really as a result of, of this partnership, there's really two amazing and unique things we're going to be able to do. Uh, the first is we're going to deliver and uh, develop and deliver innovative medicines uh, that have the potential to raise the standard of care uh, in oncology, in solid tumor, but not exclusively in oncology and solid tumor. That'll be a big focus for Luzana. But uh, we're also building additional therapeutic pillars, including supportive care in oncology, as well as metabolic disease. Um, so first and foremost, we're an innovative medicines company focused on raising the standard of care. But the second and, and unique part of, of the model is that because we are more cost effective in how we can develop and deliver medicines through this one-of-a-kind partnership, we have the chance to address a paradox that exists in innovative medicines. Um, the, the rate of innovation is remarkable. I truly think we're in a golden age of, of innovation. But accessibility, availability, and affordability hasn't always kept pace with the rate of innovation. So by having a more cost-effective and efficient design, we're able to reinvest 
back into proven solutions to address accessibility, availability, and affordability. So this is our commitment. It's a dual, a dual purpose company. <clears throat> Innovative medicines focused on raising the standard of care and then unlocking our one-of-a-kind business model to reduce costs and reinvest back in proven accessibility, availability, and affordability solutions. So I'll pause there. I've said a lot, and I'll let maybe uh, Dr. Yee add some of his own context. Thanks, Scott, and, and thanks, Brian, for the opportunity to share uh, with you and to address the second part of your question, which is how did I come across, uh, uh, you know, Hanre and Lusana? So, uh, you know, from from my background, I think you, you, you realize that I've been at Big Pharma, at Roche, at Merck, MSD, and, and BMS right before. Uh, you know, over the last uh, couple of years with the COVID, uh, you know, I had a lot of uh, reflection uh, to think about my career, uh, how I can use my experience and my skills uh, and continue to learn something new and do more good. And it was in that uh, phase that uh, I did have a, a conversation with someone from the Hanre USA uh, HR team uh, asking me if I would be interested in, in an opportunity. And when I reflected on the opportunity, it offered uh, me uh, the following. One, Hanre, from, from my experience, which I've already come across and known, I knew it was a very strong and established uh, pharmaceutical company in China. Their vision to globalize uh, was something uh, that I felt I could help and I can, I can uh, uh, you know, uh, support. Number one. Number two, their pipeline is very rich and very prolific. Actually, I've been to a, a couple of oncology conferences early in the year, and you can walk into the exhibit booth and you see that uh, Hanre has all the drugs that all the companies combined have in their pipelines. So, so, uh, I, so I had that, that already understanding, so I knew that. Number one. Number two, it also afforded me also that change of scenery from a big pharma to a startup, uh, and which I was looking to to uh, to make that uh, that pivot. And the and the uh, uh, the beauty of the startup is that there are uh, a lot of things to build, and there are a lot of things to create, which I you know I I think I can be useful here and helpful, but also to do things differently. And that's what where we, the match happened. Uh, what the vision in the effort to globalize Hanre with Scott Filosi and the management team at the helm, that doing things differently, meaning innovate, but also make our drugs affordable, accessible uh, everywhere for, to anybody. Uh, so, you know, I, I uh, have used that term before, but uh, the image was that this was a startup like no other. It was not the, your usual startup where you're working day by day, month to month with one or two assets and with funding that is always a, 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 you know, a problem. Here we have a very rich pipeline that we have access to that we can renew with the partnership uh, of GHP. And we have support uh, coming from the parent company that hopefully we will continue to evolve that that model. And that's why I ended up saying yes to the uh, opportunity. And uh, it's been an exciting journey since. Thank you. Um, if I can just to follow up with Scott, um, uh, working uh, in for Chinese uh, 
drug maker. Um, has been a, a new adventure for both of you, sounds like. How things so far has, has been turned out? And so, so Joe and I have gotten a chance to know each other extremely well since we've been uh, working together. And you know, we, we've, we've shared a lot of our own experiences in working in various global roles. So there's, there's a lot of, I think, um, you know, great experience that I take, that Joe takes, that the management takes from uh, previous roles. I've been very, very fortunate to have uh, uh, worked for some amazing companies and in, in some, um, you know, global uh, positions, you know, including leading global market access and pricing. I've had uh, a couple of different uh, country GM experiences out, outside of the U.S. as well. Uh, so I, I have spent, you know, a good portion of my career uh, working, you know, in outside of the U.S., working in, in global roles. So that experience has always been exciting to me. Um, and, and this really feeds into our our model, the second part of our, our purpose, which is things aren't exactly the same everywhere. And I think you have to be able to embrace what's unique about each company, about each geography, about different cultures, political systems, uh, all the way down to regulatory activities, reimbursement activities, you know, a one-size-fits-all approach in life and in business uh, often doesn't yield uh, consistently remarkable results. So, you know, for me, this is part of the adventure of life is, um, you know, experiencing new things or things in a different way and, and trying to find the opportunities for mutual success and not just for the company, but for the stakeholders we serve. Um, and, and for us, we look at this through two two lenses. You know, there's a macro lens, which is we serve humanity, and humanity isn't defined by a country or a location. It's defined by being a human and being alive and and having needs. And then the other is you know all the way to the individual and individual patient journeys vary dramatically. And and you know, the more flexibility that we can have in our approach as leaders and the experiences we create, as well as in our business and our strategies and our tactics, I think we're the, the better we are positioned for success. But it's it's definitely a different experience for me working with uh, a, a Chinese biopharma company that has such a deep history. You know, they, they have more than 50 years of history and, and really nearly two decades they've been spending building these innovative medicines capabilities and have found a lot of success in China. Now they're positioned to globalize. But you know, trying to figure out how things are done at at Hanrei, and then how we can um, you know integrate into the things that are wonderful uh, about the company. And there's many many things that are wonderful, but then also you know what value added value can we bring to Hanrei and and the purpose and mission that that we serve. Uh, if I could ask uh, Dr. Yeet, what uh, how do you think uh, you would position Hanrei in the U.S. market? You how do you convince the U.S. consumers and the patients, the physicians, about your business being a Chinese company doing innovative uh, drugs and uh, really bring the, the meet the uh, needs and also give the best op uh, solutions? Yeah, so so uh, let, let me first start by saying that one of the things that we, we tried, uh, and this is, you know, uh, uh, over the last few days, you know, rebrand ourselves to be in Lusana. Uh, we are a startup, so so we're, this is starting fresh. However, uh, at the end of the day, 
what convinces regulators, what convinces physicians and patients is science and data. And uh, we have uh, a, a strong ability to uh, generate data either uh, in, in collaboration and coordination with JHP or separately uh, in our uh, studies, in our uh, countries and populations uh, to represent the appropriate uh, risk and benefit. And uh, that by itself is, is uh, um, you know, uh, a, a key factor in uh, convincing whether it's the regulators, payers or consumers about the value of our drugs. The other part is is the 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 science, the innovation that that Scott had had mentioned, and two the quality, right? Those go hand in hand, especially as science is becoming more and more scrutinized. Drug development is is a journey, and and the legacy of JHP over 50 years and the the evolution into uh, innovation has uh, uh, also been paralleled by a regulatory transformation in China. China 10 years ago was different than China in 2022. Their standard were Chinese you know, regulatory standards. Now, to, to a large extent, there's a harmonization of these standards at the uh, Chinese uh, and the global uh, uh, levels to the point that now everything being uh, required in China is no different than what's required outside of China. So we believe that through the collaboration, the data generated inside of China and the data generated outside of China with Lusana and JHP working together, we would be able to generate the appropriate science supporting our innovative platforms and make the offering uh, to patients, payers and regulators. Obviously, uh, when we talk about Henry, Henry is uh, big in China, it does a lot of things, particularly even in cancer area, they has uh, 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 regular chemotherapy drugs, which is very quite popular, but also a PD-1 drug, which is uh, uh, cutting edge. Uh, so in terms of a PD-1 primary uh, lizumab, uh, what do you think uh, the Hungary's chance to uh, get FDA approve the drug in the U.S. and also uh, persuade the physicians in the U.S. to to use the the China made in China PD. So um, you know I I think you know from from my experience I, you're aware that I worked on the first approved PD one Keytruda um, and uh, at the time I actually pushed hard to uh, bring Keytruda to China patients uh, through collaboration with a, a number of institutions and, and thought leaders in the oncology community in China. And uh, that got the attention of the scientists in China. Uh, and there were a lot of patients uh, saved and helped with this innovation. And I am very happy to see that now more innovative medicines are are being adopted in China because that brings the standard uh, to patients who who are in need to a much higher level than than in the past. As far as as the uh, the camrelizumab, camrelizumab, as you know, is a proven drug. It has been approved for many indications in China as monotherapy 
And this uh, HCC trial that we have uh, globally uh, is in combination with an, a, a, a TKI, a, a tyrosine kinase inhibitor, apatinib. Uh, this drug was, was invented by GHB uh, more than 10 years ago. And camrilizumab obviously is, is a more novel anti-PD-1. The combination has now achieved the, the, the biggest milestone, which is it has met both primary endpoint, the uh, PFS, and the overall survival. So that the data is, is, is now uh, positive, and that's the first milestone. The second milestone is making sure we, the data is cleaned up. And we are working on, uh, uh, you know, what we call a briefing document that will be uh, uh, the vehicle with which we use to have a, 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 a um, interface and a discussion with the regulators, starting with the FDA. This will happen over the next, you know, uh, uh, in, in the uh, near future. Now, it's going to be a, a review of a number of things because we are dealing with two drugs. There's a, 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 a file called NDA for the apatinib, rivocerenib, and a BLA for the camrilizumab. We are also working with a partner outside of China, and that's uh, Elevar. So we need to also work together with Elevar on this. Uh, once we, we get to the point of doing all the data cleaning, all the data analysis, then we have a, a, you know, a, a decision to make. Do we have everything we need that satisfies the regulators? And then, you know, if the answer is yes, then we proceed forward. And, and then the, the regulators with whom we have been in contact over the last few years, uh, as GHB and now Lusana, uh, we will see if there's any feedback uh, uh, and then we'll address those feedbacks in due time. So at this point, you know, it's it's a sequence of events that we're following. But as I said, the biggest a milestone uh, was that the study met its co-primary endpoint PFS and OS, and that now position us to to move to the next step, and 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 we have to do our due diligence in in uh, uh, working with the regulators to satisfy their requirements. Do you mind, do you mind if I add to that just a, a little bit? From a, yes. a, a it, it's a great question, and um, I have a different PD uh, one. Uh, or PDL1 experience than uh, Dr. Ede. I, I spent some time at uh, Merck AGAA, and um, you know, we 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 launched uh, our our own checkpoint inhibitor that came uh, after Keytruda and and after Optivo, after Tecentric. Um, and what we found is that it's a very data driven uh, prescribing environment. Um, you know what? What I think is universally true about uh, healthcare practitioners is they want the best outcome, the best result for their patient. So uh, we're still uh, assessing the data for our HCC program to understand how it's differentiated, where it fits in, what patients might have the greatest probability of benefiting from this therapy. And and I think once we have an appreciation for the data, and uh, we we can better position the therapy for appropriate patients. But in, in my experience, and I have you know a lot of commercial experience, um, you know I, I think that there's you know four things that need to be you know true in, in order for 
a, a, a patient to be able to receive you know, maximum benefit from a therapy. The first is, do you actually have a medicine? Do we have a real drug that really works? Uh, and in the case of camerlizumab, uh, the answer is yes. You know, we have multiple approvals in, in China. We have, you know, uh, very positive top line results for PFS and OS with our H uh, HCC trial. So we know we, we have uh, an effective uh, medicine. The second is to, to the point that you made, Brian, you know, how, how is this differentiated? And, and for what patients would receive the greatest benefit from this treatment, this therapy? And we have to have a true appreciation for the data before we can come back and answer that in a meaningful way. Uh, and then the next piece is, can my can patients actually have access to this medicine? And it's not just about reimbursement. That story is different in different markets. In the US, it's most often about uh, the complexities of navigating uh, prior authorizations and medical necessity and, and the rising out-of-pocket costs associated with innovative medicines. Um, and then the last part is if you can, you know, get access to the medicine, uh, how does industry and healthcare professionals and the healthcare ecosystem work together to make sure that the patients have the best experience while on that medicine? So, you know, we look at this very holistically and, and it, there, it is sequential in some nature, but you have to be thoughtful uh, about that complete journey from the beginning. And, and of course, you start to lever up your, your attention and focus on, on that sequence, you know, as programs begin to mature. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're excited by what we're seeing in the data so far. Um, and, and now we're, we're really considering each healthcare ecosystem and the variables that impact accessibility and affordability. Uh, and and beginning to map potential solutions uh, so that you know when or if our medicine is approved and we're really clear on the patients that stand to benefit from the most that our patients uh, appropriate patients can receive this therapy and then you know you really have to be able to map that patient journey uh, and understand in each disease with each treatment regimen what's unique about those patient journeys and and do we as Luzana play a role in in trying to help improve uh, outcomes, you know, for those patients? Is it, you know, side effect management, you know, partnering with, with various partners for transportation or looking to reduce out-of-pocket costs? You know, th there's different variables that impact different outcomes. So we're thinking about this very holistically and, you know, really in a partnership mode as opposed to, you know, here's the medicine, please prescribe. You know, we, we really want to, you know, be a holistic partner to, to all stakeholders. Great. Um, if I understand correctly, you don't have a current uh, pinpoint the indications for this uh, PD-1 in the U.S. so far. So there's nothing that's currently approved, Brian. We have the HCC data uh, okay, that, that we're very excited about. And, and Joe was highlighting that uh, we're preparing for uh, regulatory interactions to, to determine how to uh, progress this this treatment regimen for approval. Um, so this would be the first opportunity to have camelizumab approved outside of China, but there are obviously multiple approvals inside of China. And, and one thing that Joe and I talked about when we were building the portfolio, because that's the other part is there's more than 250 programs for, for, for Jane Su Han Rei Pharmaceutical. That's like it's just so incredible, but it could be overwhelming. You know, you know, where do you start with with so many programs with so much innovation? 
And one of the things that Joe and I talked about based on his past experiences and my past experiences is that we believe it's very important to have a checkpoint inhibitor in our portfolio. So while we're excited about HCC, the, the idea to include camerlizumab in the 11 programs uh, is not just about HCC. It's about having a checkpoint inhibitor uh, as part of our portfolio because we would love to have that flexibility to explore other combination opportunities that may emerge with other modalities, with other MOAs that, that we have in our portfolio. And it's better to have a checkpoint inhibitor than have to rely on somebody else's checkpoint inhibitor because that makes uh, development very complex. If you look at today's FDA or approval environment, uh, looks like uh, it's being really getting more scrutinized over a data diversity. For example, if you take a look at uh, recent approvals, obviously the agency is really looking at uh, not only country-specific data, but so how would you persuade the regulatory agency to really come to understand that the data from China or your data from other country would represent the, the diversity and also be able to get uh, this drug or other drugs uh, approved in the U.S. in order to get uh, those to the patient's hands? So, so Brian, let, let me first uh, uh, clarify that the FDA guidance has always existed. So, so this is not new. FDA has always required that the data being presented to them represents the U.S. population in terms of the epidemiology, the standard of care, the comparator, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, what we have seen in recent time is, is studies that did not fulfill all the requirements. So, so when the FDA says no to something, it's based on a long uh, established guidance and, and uh, uh, you know, practice. Uh, but what, what I think uh, Lusana represent uh, and, and the vision of Chairman Sun from JHB validates the point that, that we are trying to accomplish here, which is there's a strong pharmaceutical company in China called JHB. And there's a new partner, Lusana Biotechnology, that's now going to extend the science outside of China through a, 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 an entity, and that's Lusana, studying patients, studying diseases, studying standard of care in the markets where those drugs are going to be approved. So it'll be done in partnership as opposed to generate all the data in one country and try to uh, you know, uh, uh, get it approved across across the world. In this case, there would be a focus in China by JHP and a focus outside of China by Lusana. And there will be the collaboration on the discovery, on the manufacturing, on the co-development, so that we, each entity fulfills the requirement of their uh, geographic jurisdiction and the regulatory requirement and the disease epidemiology that we may have differences as well. So that's, I think, uh, uh, the point here is that the vision and what Lusana is trying to accomplish validates the point that the FDA has been making, which is you need population that represent our you know, population, not somebody else's population. Big uh, topic right now is uh, going overseas, Chuhai. 
uh, it's really something everyone wants to, to achieve. But uh, so far, looks like it's still a different uh, success, different level of success. For example, there's a partnering uh, like that. So what out of those uh, models, why do you think that Henry by setting up Lusana will be winning over someone who collaborating with uh, big guys? It's a great question, Brian. And uh, you know, th there's there's a, a couple of variables uh, to to share and and why we think this model, this approach, gives us the highest probability of of success in terms of delivering innovative medicines uh, outside of China. The first is that uh, having local expertise is is critical. So Dr. Ede highlighted that there are some things that are universally true. You know, regulatory standards. Are, are highly correlated in, in China and the US and Europe. Um, however, the, the networks that you need to be able to run studies, the expertise that you need about what are some of the differences in terms of how data is collected, data is managed, how do you run studies in the US and Europe, there's a lot in common that allows us to have global programs, but there are also some nuanced differences and having local capabilities and expertise is critical. And you mentioned, Brian, you know, you could do this organically. Uh, you could do this through partnerships with bigger established pharmaceutical companies. So why Luzana and why not go out and, and partner with a big biopharmaceutical company or pharmaceutical company? And the other is focus and prioritization. So Luzana's focus and prioritization is the 11 programs that we're co-developing with JHP. This is, we wake up in the morning, and we're, we're thinking about how to develop and deliver these medicines and we go at, to bed at night thinking, how do we develop and, and deliver these medicines? This is our sole focus and purpose for, for being. So we, we have the benefit of both uh, building the complementary capabilities to what already exists with JHP in China. So we're doing that in the US, we're doing that in Europe, we're doing that in Japan. Uh, and uh, we have strategic and operational focus uh, to ensure that this is the only priority that we have. So this is the reason that we think, you know, having Luzana uh, as um, a, a new company that is both uh, a, a child of JHP, if you will, and a partner with JHP gives us the highest probability of, of success. What do you think? Uh, um for now and going uh, forward, uh, they, uh, you, you talk about both as a child and a partner. How do you, uh, what's the decision making process looking like? Yeah, it, it, it depends on what the decision is, Brian, as you might imagine. Uh, but uh, there, we consult and, and uh, communicate with JHP very often, as you might imagine. Um, and for big decisions about, you know, what is what is the strategy? What does the portfolio look like? Uh, how will we design and resource the company? These are shared decisions with JHP and, and with the board, and they're relying on our expertise and insights to be able to present um, uh, uh, information, insights, recommendations. But, you know, we, we align with, with the, the board at JHP on those big critical strategic decisions. 
The, the other kind of major area for decision-making from a development perspective is we have 11 programs, but JHP has 250 programs. So in order to ensure that we have the right attention and focus at a program level, Dr. Eid has worked very closely with the team in China to set up appropriate program-specific and therapeutic-specific governance that allows us to ensure that we have consistent expectations about what needs to be done by who, by when, uh, in order and how, uh, in order for these programs, you know, to be successful. So we have a GPT model, if if you will, at a program level. So we we're we're ensured that we have a partnered relationship at a program level. But for the bigger decisions, you know, strategy, focus, resourcing, you know, these are things where you know. JHP is is expecting management at Luzana to come forward with with uh, uh, thoughtful recommendations that that give us the greatest potential for for success. So um, ho hopefully, Brian, that gives you some insight and in, in, at least across a few milestones uh, for strategic and operational decisions. Yeah, the reason why I'm asking Scott is uh, because um, you know obviously it's a need a commitment, but also need the the investment. So uh, yeah. and uh, both are very vital to to you know ex expanding in a market like the U.S. Uh, it's it's uh, so I I'm I'm sure that uh, you are confident that you have both uh, from the JHP both in in terms of commitment and investment and not only for the uh, for the time being but also for the long term. Uh, exactly, Brian. And this is this is important. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that you know we have a one-of-a-kind business model. Um, so this also, you know, as we develop the the strategic plan and the the operating plan, we look at you know what our investments are relative to benchmark, and and we're really excited by the fact that uh, we have the great potential to do things much more cost-effectively versus benchmark. So this is you know another opportunity for. JHP and and Luzana, uh, so we can do more with less, if you will, versus uh, typical biopharma. And and it's not only the co-development where JHP is responsible for the development in China and and other markets outside of North America, Europe, and Japan, and and we're ultimately responsible for the development in in in, in North America, Japan, and 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 uh, Europe. It's also the fact that Luzana's not uh, does not need to carry the discovery costs and risks associated with it, which is a, a massive investment for biopharma. And uh, JHP has already established world-class manufacturing, both in terms of quality and capacity, and we can rely on those capabilities as well. So it's those three variables that, that allow us to have a much more efficient uh, model and, and one that I think you know, JHP looks at and says, okay, we, we, can, we can do things differently and more cost effectively. And 11 programs is, is quite a large number of programs for a startup organization. But because of the capabilities that exist with JHP and the capabilities we've been building and the fact that we can do this more cost effectively, we, we yeah. think we have a chance to yeah. do something really special. I'm sure when you talk about a startup, I'm looking at a really innovative or entrepreneurship can you just uh, uh, briefly tell us about uh, current structure of uh, Luzana and how many per, uh, per staff and what you're looking at and what's the plan for the next uh, one or two years and what's the major milestones for you? Sure. 
So, you know, we, we are in uh, a development stage organization right now. We have uh, one program in our HCC uh, that we mentioned earlier, Camerluzumab and, and Apatinib, that is in the pre-commercialization stage. But the vast majority of what we're doing right now is very R&D in, intensive. And we have programs across all phases of development from preclinical to uh, pre-BLA. Uh, so we are currently, uh, Luzana has um, uh, uh, facilities in, in Tokyo, facilities in Princeton, New Jersey, and facilities in, in Basel, Switzerland. Um, and you know, we're currently set up in, in a, a global um, geographic footprint, meaning uh, while we have presence in each one of these you know, important marketplaces, we have uh, centralized leadership to bring standardization and consistency across all of the work that we're, we're doing. Uh, most most uh, in, intensive in, in the development area right now, but this includes various SGNA activities as, as well that are supporting the business and helping us to prepare for commercialization. Uh, when Joe and I started, there was probably something around 40 or so uh, employees, and, and now we're we're more than 100 in, in Luzana, and we have plans that we're likely to exit the year with more than 200 uh, em employees, and a vast majority of those will be in the R&D organization. But uh, as I mentioned, we're building out uh, at appropriate scale uh, other functional capabilities to be able to support the R&D organization, whether that's finance or HR or IT, but we're also preparing for the the possibility of of commercialization, so we're we we have uh, Jeff Crowther as a for example that we've brought in who's a very experienced commercial leader that has helped take uh, multiple um, organizations from uh, pre-commercialization into that commercialization cycle. Uh, so we have to be really thoughtful about the investments that we're making and when we're making them. Uh, so everything is measured and stage gated, but. Uh, where we are uh, rapidly growing and expanding and, and building our capabilities. And, and Brian, Brian, if I can give you a different twist on innovation. Yes, I come from from big pharma, but I, I can uh, assure you that most of my successes have been when I operated in a startup mindset. Uh, strategy yeah. is what makes the difference between a, a big pharma and a startup and how you innovate and, and create opportunities. Uh, in that sense, uh, Kitruda was developed uh, in a startup environment, uh, in an unMerc-like. Uh, we did a lot of things that Merck normally would not do. Uh, and that's, that's, I would say, is the uh, paradigm that we are applying here. It's the people you hire, how their mindset, the way that they're thinking about developing a drug. The drug, uh, you know, uh, development strategically can be innovative if you choose the right indication, the right sequence of events, the right mode of delivery. All of these can be innovative and be differentiating from uh, uh, other companies, big or small. Uh, and and that's, I think, what the, the philosophy and the culture we're trying to build. One, identifying the right talent. And two, making sure we are thinking uh, outside the box and thinking how we can bring our innovation to patients as soon as possible. Um, if I can switch the gear to the 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 uh, pipeline, you said there are 11 programs. How, how do you cherry pick them? 
<laughs> is that you pick them and Henry said, okay, cool, go ahead, take them or you negotiate it. Um, how does process go and why those 11 programs? Because if I look at those, um, actually they are, uh, as you said, they're oncology, but also a little bit of something else. I mean, when you choose those, what's the criteria when you choose what you choose? Go ahead, go ahead Joe, you, you can start. Yeah, so so I, I came uh, in October, uh, Brian, and that process had already uh, been moving forward and then was, was formalized uh, towards the end of last year. But uh, I would say that there are three principles that were followed uh, in making the decision of why these assets. The one principle is, is this drug bringing a new paradigm, a treatment paradigm, a new treatment paradigm? And we have, you know, uh, at least a couple of assets in that category. Then we have uh, uh, another uh, principle, which is, is this drug, although it's not first in class, does it have certain characteristics that could make it potentially a best in class? Again, to improve uh, 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 drug development and drug, uh, out, uh, you know, treatment outcome. And the third principle is this drug uh, uh, being developed has the potential to be in a first in class. So when you look at all 11 drugs, each one falls into one of these categories. And that's how they ended up being, uh, uh, you know, were used as the first wave of our pipeline. And we have the opportunity, as Scott mentioned, to continue to grow that pipeline moving forward uh, in collaboration with GHP. And as our infrastructure grows enough, to, uh, to be able to absorb even more innovation. Scott? Thanks, Joe. You know, and, and, and maybe not a lot to add there, but one thing that I'll say is, um, you know, we, we had a very rigorous process and, and one that we brought in partners on as, as well. So we've worked closely with, with uh, IQVIA as a, for example, which uh, uh, is a global leader um, in, in terms of helping us to build the right frameworks and models, you know, to to run assessments and clinical and regulatory feasibility is of course critical. You know, do we have truly innovative medicines with good potential to to differentiate? Is there good regulatory feasibility in terms of uh, 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 chances to get these medicines approved? But we also want to make sure that these medicines have strong commercial viability and feasibility. And, and sometimes, you know, organizations consider some of those variables too late in, in the process. And it's iterative. You know, you don't make all those decisions once and, and then, you know, ignore those variables moving forward. So we've set up a process that is iterative. So we'll, we'll continually bring new data, you know, into our assessment process and, and continue to make determinations on what is in the best strategic and operational interest of Luzana and our parent. JHP. So we feel really good about the 11 that we've picked. We also feel really good about um, the process that, that Dr. Reed highlighted as well, is that JHP has, has um, given Luzana a seat at the table, so to speak, in terms of providing insights into early discovery uh, and early development. And then we also have the opportunity to bring in future innovation at, at the right inflection points uh, from a globalization perspective. So Excited about the 11 programs, feel really good about the process that we've gone through to get us here. 
but uh, the journey doesn't uh, end with with the 11 programs that we're we're developing today. How how is the uh, Henry only the investor here, or do you have other investors? How do you fund this development uh, and commercial activities? Uh, well, we want to make sure that we have a lean and efficient team because part part of our part of our our purpose is to make sure that we can and will drive down operating costs so that we can reinvest in solutions to address accessibility, affordability, and availability. So we don't aspire to to mirror traditional biopharma or or even big pharma. We we want to be lean and efficient and purposeful in every every dollar we we invest, every decision we make. Uh, and today we we are a, a fully owned subsidiary of of JHP, and that's it. You know, so they they are. Uh, like I, I mentioned, they're our parent and our partner. You know, it's this special relationship, and 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 that's the only relationship that exists, Brian. Okay. Any culture shock so far for you? Working I, I with uh, Henry or <laughs> in this term? I, I don't know that I would describe it as culture shock, but there's certainly differences. You know, I've worked for. U.S. companies, Belgian companies, German companies. I partnered with uh, Japanese companies and and uh, uh, companies uh, in in France. So you know each one of those experiences brings different you know cultural nuances, both from uh, a geographic perspective as well as from a business perspective. So there are certain ways that things get done at, at Hunray, and it's really important for us to understand. The, the ways that business gets done and to be able to embrace those. But what I've also experienced, and I'll let Joe share his own experiences, is that JHP is very welcoming and has actually expectations that Luzana builds a culture that optimizes globalization for Luzana. So there isn't an expectation that, that Luzana perfectly mirrors the culture and principles that allow JHP to be successful in China. So they, they want and expect us to build a culture that potentiates Luzana. So it's been, honestly, it's been a great experience in terms of being able to have an appreciation for how and why JHP has been so successful and, and be able to um, you know, integrate into that process. And then at the same time, to have the freedom and expectation from JHP that we're building our own culture. And we do share plenty of 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 principles and, and purpose, you know, these aren't two, you know, uh, completely uh, culturally disparate organizations. We have an awful lot in common, and I think that helps us to be able to work together effectively. I mean, my my take on that question, Brian, is that uh, we all have had our experiences, and uh, one, we work well together. Two, it's a small organization, and we are bringing our best experiences and establishing the, the culture at Lusana Biotechnology uh, that mirrors those good experiences. And that, I would say, is, is you know, the positive culture shock is that we are creating this culture from scratch. Uh, we are creating the processes. We are creating how we, we communicate, how we interact, how, how we think about things, how we meet. Uh, and and that, that, to me, is, is positive. I mean, even... even when, when new employees are joining us uh, or how we celebrate milestones, those are, again, uh, the good experiences that every one of us is bringing into the table that, that makes this uh, experience a very positive experience. Brian, maybe um, I could just 
add to that just a little bit. Um, you, sure. you heard Dr. You heard Dr. Eid mentioned earlier. You know, he was working for a great company and in, in a in a really important leadership position, having you know a significant impact. So why why would he leave such an established uh, uh, company and and important role to come here to Lizana? And it really has most to do with the purpose-driven component of Lizana. And I think that's another differentiating factor for us is that every person that we're talking to, we start with purpose and principles. And, and we want people to want to be here because of the purpose, because of the principles that we have. And, and, we, and we're, as a result of that, you know, there, there's a war on talent right now, especially in oncology, but in many important areas. And and we are different, you know. We we stand out, and and not everybody wants to come be part of a startup because it's a lot of hard work. But I think the fact that the our purpose drives everything we do, and the principles really define the behaviors that we expect people to model every day. Uh, it's resonating with a lot of top talent. And you know, Dr. Ede is sitting here today. I, he, he, you know, he won't say this because he's too, uh, I think, humble of a, a leader. But in my opinion. He's one of the best CMOs in the world. And, and to be able to have him come here and be part of Luzana, a startup with all this hard work, I think speaks volumes of how uh, really top talent feels about our purpose and principles. And last uh, side of question, what advice, what tips would you give to a, a Chinese company want to go uh, overseas like Henry is doing? You know, I, I think from from my perspective is that um, you know China uh, life science biotechnology has has arrived. You know, it's not about um, a Chinese biopharma company anymore. It's about China um, being a legitimate player in global biopharmaceuticals in terms of innovation, in terms of quality, in terms of capabilities. I think China has arrived. Um, now it's it's what what are the best vehicles and models to be able to potentiate that success globally? And I don't think it's a one size fits all approach. Just like yeah. we're very purposeful with the Luzana JHP strategy uh, in, in multiple areas, we don't have a one size fits all uh, approach. It's about understanding the variables that influence success and making sure that you're laying out the plan that in investments that optimize that success. So JHP is very unique, you know, 25,000 employees, 250 programs. There's not another JHP, I, I don't think, in, in the world. So our our circumstances are potentially different from other biopharmaceutical companies in, in China. But, um, you know, this is really about, uh, you know, the, legitimizing what already exists. So the, the capabilities and the innovation already exist in China. And and I think through globalization, it just legitimizes what, what's already happening there. And for JHP, Luzana is an important vehicle in globalization, but that strategy may not be appropriate for every biopharmaceutical company because, like I said, there's not another JHP. Yeah, I mean, it's said differently, Brian. Uh, you know, uh, again, I, I, what I mentioned earlier that I, I think that the uh, fa uh, recent failures uh, for some Chinese uh, uh, applications with the FDA, uh, validate the vision of why Lusana Biotechnology was created. Um, for any product, pharmaceutical or other, 
you need to know your customers. And who are the customers? It's regulators. It's patients and physicians with an environment or that we call it a standard of care and epidemiology. So any company anywhere in the world, whether you're on the American continent, European continent, or uh, in Asia, if you're doing a global drug development, you have to have a global view. You have to have the appropriate, uh, you know, a drug competitor. You have to have the appropriate population representation. You have to have the appropriate study design to, that satisfy the needs of patients and physicians. And, and that's, I think, where the model that JHP and Lusana Biotechnology have in place, I believe, position uh, this organization to be successful because it gives us the tools, it gives us the legacy of JHP, and, and we are accountable and responsible for the territories where we're responsible for in order to understand what our uh, ultimate customers need and satisfy those by doing the appropriate design and, and targeting the appropriate populations. If I could ask both of you, which benchmark do you think Henry would be better referred to? Which company would you think Henry should uh, be aimed for? Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm going to uh, I, I'm going to answer maybe in a way that uh, doesn't uh, satisfy your question perfectly, in that I I don't think that that what we're doing is comparable to anything. Uh, you know, I, I emphasized up front when when I said uh, you know what are we doing here? Like, what is the big news? The big news is that that Luzana and and JHP have launched a one of a kind. Uh, biopharmaceutical company, and I really truly believe that. I don't think there is any uh, appropriate comparator or benchmark. You know, when when in 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 recent history have have we seen an established company like JHP with 50 years history, with all of these profound capabilities, with the success that they've had in China and transforming into an innovative medicines company, being able to pull everything through organically from discovery to commercialization. Who is now on 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 the the verge of of globalization and and in important markets like like North America, Japan, Europe, and 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 potentially beyond. So I, I just don't think that there's anything that's that's comparable uh, to to what we're we're doing. Uh, and I really do believe that this is a one of a kind opportunity and, and allows us to be differentiated. Uh, there's this perpetual nature. To what we're doing, where we have 11 programs today, but the innovation opportunities can keep coming, and we're going to be uniquely positioned to do something other companies can't do, which is to do that in a much more cost-effective way that allows us to reinvest in accessibility, availability, and affordability. So I can't think of another contemporary that I would benchmark us to, and maybe someday other companies will be trying to benchmark themselves to to JHP and, and Lazana. Yeah, I mean, we we are the new uh, startup that dares what we we call it dare to human care. Uh, we are the company that is is building off of the uh, success and the legacy of JHP, but uh, bringing that vision to the world. And we would like to deliver on innovative medicine that are available, accessible, and affordable to more people around the world. And that's a unique statement by itself. So, uh, so you know, to to repeat what Scott said, 
there is no existing model today that mimics that and and uh, hopefully we are a pioneer in this uh, space well thanks so much and good luck thank great you Brian. Brian. it was yeah, great to meet appreciate you appreciate your time today and uh, and uh, all the best <laughs>